This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Aideen Finnegan. Today, a grand jury in New York has decided that Donald Trump should be charged with a criminal offence. It's an historic first for a former president. But what is the case against Trump all about? Washington correspondent Martin Wall explains. Martin, before we delve into the case against Donald Trump that everyone's talking about now, can you explain, because I'm a bit confused about all of Trump's legal entanglements, you know, how many criminal cases are there against him and what are they? Okay, well, at the moment, there are three separate investigations underway at which Donald Trump is at the centre. We have this case in Manhattan, which has been run at state level by a Manhattan district attorney. There is a, a case being run by a prosecutor in Georgia arising from the election of 2020 and the famous phone call, which we think everybody now has heard, in relation to Trump seeking authorities in Georgia to find 11,000 votes. That was the margin of uh, difference that, that, that allowed Joe Biden to win the state. And then there is a federal level, at the Department of Justice level, there is a special counsel investigating allegations that Trump was engaged in a, in a conspiracy, essentially, to overthrow or overturn the election results of 2020 and the issue in relation to secret documents that were found at his home and club in Mar-a-Lago in Florida. OK, so let's talk now about the New York case that we know Donald Trump will face charges on. So basically, the case against him centres around an investigation into a $130,000 payment made to porn star Stormy Daniels during the 2016 US presidential election. Now, that was allegedly as hush money to prevent her from speaking publicly about an affair she'd had with Trump. But then the details of the alleged affair did all come out eventually in 2018 while he was president. Can you remind us in more detail what happened? The story goes back to a celebrity golf tournament in 2006 at a place called Lake Tahoe in Nevada. Trump, obviously, at that time, was a businessman and a TV star. I'm looking for The Apprentice. He met this woman, Stormy Daniels, at this. She maintains that at that uh, event, Trump invited her to dinner in his hotel room. She maintains that they had an affair. You told Donald Trump to turn around and take off his pants? Yes. And did he? Yes. She maintains that he promised her a position on his TV program. Trump, for his part, denies all that. He denies strongly there was any affair as late as uh, Monday night. He denied it again. I never liked horse face. I never liked. I never. It's just not. It's terrible. Thing. That wouldn't be the one. In 2011, when there was first indications or suggestions that Trump might run for office, Stormy Daniels tried to sell her story and she tried to sell the story to a tabloid. The tabloid never ran it, allegedly on foot of legal warning letters from the Trump organisation. But in 2015, obviously, Trump did run. And we are going to make our country great again. She raised the issue again of selling the story. And this is where the murky world of US tabloid journalism comes into play. And particularly an organisation or a publication called the National Enquirer, which is a specialises, let us say, in celebrity gossip. It was run at the time by a man called David Pecker, who is a friend of Donald Trump. And allegedly, a deal was reached between Pecker and Trump and his people that basically Pecker and his publication would weigh in on the side of Trump. They would suppress stories that were potentially damaging to Trump and they would run stories that were actually damaging to his opponents. 
there was a famous National Enquirer's front page that Hillary Clinton had six months to live. They were peddling suggestions of her ill health. Yes, it's a major moment in the campaign. The American people uh, are, are choosing a president. They want a healthy president, a president in rude good health. In 2015, there was an allegation made by a model, not Stormy Daniels, another woman, that she had an affair with Donald Trump in 2007. The National Enquirer bought the story. They paid $150,000 for the rights to that story, not to actually run it as a splash and an expose, as would be the normal case for a publication, but rather to suppress it. However, it would appear that Trump or his organisation or his people did not reimburse the National Enquirer for the $150,000 that they had paid to the model for her story. Roll it forward then several months later, Stormy Daniels appears on the scene once again with her story. The National Enquirer are involved, but they did not buy the story. Perhaps, and again, this is speculation, that they had been burned the first time around by not being reimbursed and were not going to play out again for a second piece. The timing was actually critical because it came just around the time of the famous Access Hollywood tape in which there was an outtake from a recording made of Trump talking to a reporter in which he bragged and boasted about being a star and essentially being able to sexually assault women with impunity. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. The fear in the Trump campaign was that if another story emerged, a distasteful story about Trump having an affair with a porn star three months after his wife had given birth to their child, that it would have actually potentially torpedoed the entire campaign as it literally came up to the wire. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are racing the clock. Polls are tightening. The rhetoric's heating up. We're going to get rid of that crooked woman. She's a crooked woman. She's a very, very dishonest woman. Here then came into play a man called Michael Cohen. Cohen was Trump's lawyer, but he was more than a lawyer. He was his fixer, essentially. He solved problems or made problems go away for Donald Trump. Cohen was engaged in conversation with people from the National Enquirer who were essentially middlemen or middle people in this particular arrangement. And a couple of uh, weeks before the election, he paid $130,000 to the representatives of Stormy Daniels, essentially to buy her silence. Was it hush money to stay silent? Yes. The issue was how Michael Cohen paid the money over. He'd set up a company of his own and he used money that he had as a home equity funding of his own, his own money, to pay this $130,000 to Stormy Daniels. The issue then now becomes, how did Cohen get his money back? And he maintains that a deal was done. This money was put through the books of the Trump organisation as a legal retainer, legal fees, essentially. He maintains there was no legal fees, but this was the repayment for the money that had gone to Stormy Daniels. And he was receiving checks of $35,000 a month to pay this off. Cohen has produced a check signed personally by Donald Trump and maintains that when Trump was in the White House in the early part of 2017, he had just been elected a couple of weeks after the inauguration, he was showing Cohen around the West Wing and around the Oval Office and whatever else and brought up the repayments. So Trump in the Oval Office was discussing the hush money that was paid to Stormy Daniels. That's Cohen's story. But Michael Cohen, he ended up going to prison himself over this, didn't he? And yet nothing happened to Trump. The problem was, was that this case was investigated in 2018 after it was the story was broken by the Wall Street Journal. Terrific report uh, from the Wall Street Journal. I think that raises a whole bunch of new questions about just how honest or dishonest the president has been with the American people on this matter. 
investigation started and the federal authorities investigated Michael Cohen. The Department of Justice has a rule in the United States that sitting presidents do not face prosecution. Therefore, Trump was described in this case as individual number one and essentially was an unindicted co-conspirator in the, in the case, but he was not prosecuted. Michael Cohen was prosecuted. He was prosecuted for campaign finance law violations and lying to Congress, and he was sentenced to jail. And Michael Cohen, after years and years and years of loyal service to Donald Trump, broke with Trump. He knows the truth. I know the truth. Others know the truth. And here is the truth. The man doesn't tell the truth. And it's sad that I should take responsibility for his dirty deeds. The details of the exact charges against Trump have not yet been made public at the time we're recording this podcast anyway. But do we know where exactly the crime is in the activity you just outlined? And what kind of penalty could a conviction carry for Trump? The initial allegation of criminality is a falsification of the Trump organization's financial records as to how they essentially booked this payment in their own uh, financial records. It's a misdemeanor. It's a lesser crime. However, it can be escalated to a felony if it can be linked to another crime. The suggestion is, is that the first crime, the falsification of the records, would be linked then to some form of election, uh, election law violation. Therefore, it would get it over the bar to become a felony. If convicted, it would be lead to a maximum um, of four years in prison. However, jail would not be mandatory. It would be open to community service or other former lower levels of, of, of sentence. Martin, there's a lot more we could talk about here. The politics of this are fascinating, as is, you know, how Trump will respond and so on. But it's a moving story. So let's let's leave it there for now. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. Thank you very much for joining us on In the News today. That's all for this episode. For more reporting on this story, go to irishtimes.com. And for full access, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.